the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times, now with goals. Hello and welcome to The Game Podcast. I'm Alison Rudd, sitting in for Gab, and I'm joined in the studio by James Scowcroft and Rory Smith. And down the line from Kevin De Bruyne's room at the Holiday Inn Droylston, it's James Ducker. We'll be discussing the pros and cons of a transfer window that has deeply annoyed Roberto Martinez, Ronald Koeman and Tony Pulis. And what we have learned from the opening fixtures of the Premier League season as it takes a well-earned rest for internationals. But first, let's have a natter about Swansea's all-too-predictable 2-1 victory over Manchester United. And here is Sigurdsson. Arriving is Ayu! It's the first Premier League goal Manchester United have conceded this season. And Wayne Rooney will have to hang his head in shame. It was his error which prompted the counter-attack. Finished by Andre Ayu. Right, Gary Monk. I've written down tactical genius, which is a sort of jokey term. I actually think he is. I sat down with him at the end of last season... And I honestly don't think I've been as impressed with any other manager I've met, apart from the fact he's a bloody nice guy. He gave some sort of insight into how he operates and it it was well illustrated by what happened at the Liberty Stadium, which is he plans for every eventuality. Nothing is left to chance. This going to a diamond formation in the second half wasn't um, a spur of the moment thing. Every player knew exactly what would happen when and why they would go to that formation because they were losing control of the game. He's outthought Louis van Gaal on three occasions. And I think probably before we all met Louis van Gaal, we'd have said, who's the tactical genius of the two? It's the Dutchman. Rory, am I overdoing it? Well, I don't think it's fair to say that van Gaal's not a tactical genius, although I suspect that both Jameses might take issue with that statement. But no, Gary Monk is, is incredibly impressive. I always think it's, it's slightly strange that he isn't mentioned more whenever we have that discussion as we do about once every three months about how there's no English managers. Because Gary Munt is very English. He's even called Gary, which is the most <laughs> English of names. 
he is detailed, he's forensic in his preparation, he manages the remarkable trick of still being a lovely man. I'm really impressed with him. I'm really Everyone is impressed by Swansea. I think we take them for granted. I think we've got used to the, the, the everyday miracle that is Swansea City. There's so much that you could go at. I think their recruitment puts... Every time Swansea beat a bigger club in the Premier League, the scouts, the well-paid scouts at every single one of the top six should be burying their heads in shame because the way that Swansea play the market I think is probably more impressive than Southampton. But that, well, that's an interesting point because it's unacceptable at some clubs to assemble a team the way that Gary Monk has. I mean, well, it's, 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 it's worth be- less than 30 million quid. Some clubs wouldn't allow you to spend so little. It's basically this, right? So so to take United as an example, we, we could all, I'm, I'm not a scout, wouldn't pretend to be a scout and don't have whatever scouting B-Tech you require to be a scout. <laughs> we could all have gone out and said, right, Morgan Schneiderlin's a really good footballer. He's been brilliant in the Premier League for, for two or three years like, and sign him. We could all have said that. Matteo Damien, full Italian international, Schweinsteiger, World Cup winner, Champions League winner, blah, blah, blah. Memphis Depay, obviously hugely talented. If you've got Eurosport or Sky Sports 5, you can tell that Memphis Depay is pretty good. The scouts at the big clubs should be earning their money, and it is a lot of money that they get, by being able to say, this player is a risk, but he is worth the risk. Andre Ayew, free transfer. Bafatimbi Domis, free transfer. Clubs like United and Liverpool and Arsenal won't, won't sign those players because they're seen as a risk, because they, they don't look like sure things. But surely that's where scouts earn their money, is by saying he's not a sure thing, but I back my judgement to say that he can thrive at this level. Someone will go and pay, I mean, I think Gomez has still got a £7 million release clause, but someone will go and, go and pay that, possibly in the next two days. Someone will go and, Andre Ayew, will, they'll sell him for £25 million quid in the summer, or the summer after, because he is clearly a, a top six player. And it is extraordinary that there are so many scouts and the scouts get transferred between clubs and what have you. But no one looks and says, well, actually, the best scouts are the ones who do look at those players who cost nothing, who've been written off elsewhere and are clearly worth it. James Ducker. I mean, Rory mentioned Gomez there. It wasn't as if Swansea scouted him. Well, they did scout him and knew exactly what he'd be. There was also that sense of potential because he was seen as bony light and would he even would he even come close to fulfilling the whole left by Boney's departure to City. So they clearly do something at Swansea where they make sure they identify players who have a with a long term picture and they can make sure fit into their model, which again is long termism and we don't see it at a club like United. True. Yeah, I, I think um, I think Rory and yourself make very valid points there. I don't think probably with any other club that the issue of scouting is so relevant as it is with Manchester United at the moment. They traditionally have always had you know very strong sort of scouting department, but for the last sort of really sort of going back, I think to 2007, a lot of supporters are wondering what what is going on with their scouting department, and this is something that's not just now being discussed. You know, as they sort of scramble for signings in the final 48 hours of the transfer window, in good players like Andre Uwe, who they, they haven't got, have, have um, you know, sort of passed them by. It, it's something that has been sort of an issue for a long period of time now. Where where are United when it comes to like the Philippe Coutinho's, the signing those players before they become 50, 60 million pound players? And equally, you know, they've wasted a lot of money down the years on bet the Bebes and the Jeeves and the Orbitans. With someone like Gomez, you know, I'll sort of reserve judgment. You know, he didn't really get a look in while Boney was still there. He's had a very good run since, I think it's something like 10 goals in 14 games or something. Uh, let, let's uh, like to see how how he copes over a longer period of time. We see we see a lot of strikers coming to the Premier League 
do really well for a short space of time and then and then disappear. You know, a lot of United supporters look at what the likes of Swansea, Southampton, some of the lesser sort of tier, lower tier sort of clubs in the Premier League have done, and the talents that they've unearthed, and they wonder where where their club are. I, I know, you know, they're saying that they're held to a higher standard at United, but you know, the reality is that, you know. They're obviously been they're, they're after Anthony Martial now as a 19-year-old Monaco forward, talking talking about having bid 36 million pounds for him. That is a gamble. Taking a player on a free or even for eight, ten million is not a gamble. Paying 19 million, uh, paying 36 million pounds plus for a 19-year-old with 60 senior appearances, that is a gamble of almighty sort of proportion. So. Um, I do think they have issues there, United. I think they bought they bought well in the five five players that they bought, but I think there's a lot wider issues at play at that club. James Scowcroft, what, let's go back to Swan. What did you like about Swansea, other than the fact that tactically they were quite superb? Well, it, it's been going on for a long time with Swansea, isn't it? You can't just say it's all down to Gary Monk. You know, this is a model that's been built up over the last few years, and I think what you got to take into content is. You know, you talk about Gomez. Gomez is 30 years old on a free transfer. Is someone like Manchester United really going to take? Because you can only get 25 players in a squad. You can't just think, oh, we'll, we'll take him, we'll take him, you know. And the biggest factor in it all is the platform, the playing level plan for Swansea in front of 20,000 where there's not really much expectation. There's not really pressure apart from just being a professional footballer playing in the Premier League. The pressure and the status and the the spotlight that gets put on you playing for a club like Manchester United is 10, 15 times bigger than any of these Swansea players. So, And that is a massive burden for the Man United players. To You look at someone like Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney at the moment looks like he's got the world on his shoulders. He's lost all his confidence. If he went and played for Swansea, I'm sure that would all just flow away and it would be nice and easy for him. But that, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from Swansea. I thought they were uh, they were very good. But surely, surely there's an element there that, and what Scoey says is right, that it is harder to play for Manchester United than it is to play for Swansea, with all due respect to Swansea. But surely, and going back to the scouting, what and James gave that list of, of players that United have messed up on, which is quite a long list. He really gave us sort of an insight into the list. It was like an intro to the list. The list is much longer than that. But then they've got a lot of players right. If you look at Evra's, Javidic, your Ronaldo's... Yeah, but that, that's going back seven, eight years since they signed them. You can't trade but, but off those want, for a long time. they want the instant fix now, Manchester United, don't they? I think those days now have gone, well, we'll give it three or four years and develop him. Managers aren't going to... Louis van Gaal was there for two, maybe three... He hasn't got five years to develop a player. Well, you see, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that... The, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, went, I, was at, I was in Munich last week uh, to speak to a Bayern player. And we talked about, about the way that the, the English clubs are building their teams. And he made the point that if you look at Bayern, if you look at Barcelona... To an extent, Real Madrid, although it's a different kind of... They've put it together in a different way. You've got a core of players there who you then sign superstars, Luis Suarez or Douglas Costa or whatever, and you add those to the to the mix. But you have a core of players who kind of understand and represent what the club is about. And James Ducker will know more about this than me, but if you look at, say, City, one of the things about City in, in recent years is that they've not really had that core identity. It's lots of good players, but no real kind of for want of a better word, philosophy. And you wonder whether the same thing's happened to United, that they've got so many different players now. It was, was it, what was it, one player survived when they were in the Champions League or two that played against Bruce that, were, that played for them in the Champions League the last time they were in the Champions League. There's been so much churn of players. When new signings arrive, what are they being, what are they being told about what United's defining style is? What are they being told about what United do? Who is passing on that kind of accrued wisdom, that accrued knowledge, to players who arrive? And they look like a collection of very good footballers who have no clear 
plan or identity. Well, that's a good point because Ayu said that he had he was wooed by other clubs, but he he fell for the philosophy of Swansea. So it clearly does matter. You mentioned Wayne Rooney briefly there, James Scowcroft. Why has he got the weight of the world in his shoulders? He's always been in the spotlight. He he's has, supposed and, to thrive on the spotlight, and he's carried it very well. I think there's many factors. He's not getting any younger, which you have to take into consideration. There was um, a YouTube clip of him that somebody put on last week, which sort of compared him to six or seven years ago, and you could just see his body shape has changed. He's over, over the first five yards. He's not as quick as what he would. I, I still think he'll come good. I think he's too good a player. You, you, if you look at his chance he had yesterday, his first two touches when he's totally lost Ashley Williams is just natural genius which he'll always have it's that dithering where two or three years ago it would just natural have been in the back of the net he's just lost that now I think it's a very difficult team for him to play in you know if, you, if you'd have listened to Gary Neville's comments yesterday very very sensible comments you know when he's getting the ball very last minute dot com and when he's got two centre halves around him two midfield players protecting him because Manchester United is so slow to get the ball to him at the moment and they don't have any pace at all you know going forward so I think there's so many different factors there for Rooney and I think it could get worse for him before it gets better James Ducker I, I'm I'm still baffled though because he, he, he played well in Europe and that was supposed to kickstart his his season and then as James says, he dithered when he had a brilliant chance one-on-one with Williams. What I mean, you, you've seen a lot of him. What, what's gone wrong? I think, you know, expectations should be tempered after the, the, the Bruges game. They were without eight senior players. They haven't had a great start in Belgium. I mean, they were, they were very sort of average opposition. And uh, actually, I actually did ask um, some real questions, you know, in the final five minutes of the first half. I think... He scored three goals and they were wonderfully taken in, in the in the second half as as Bruce pressed forward. There's all sorts of space opened up for him and the United team. But what struck me earlier in the half, and I think that it's been symptomatic of Rooney's struggles in the Premier League, was he would drop deep or he would sort of peel off wide and run down the channels. And and that in its sense, you know, it, that in itself, he was he was he was creating sort of space for his teammates, but. The huge hole he sort of creates for someone to run into from midfield or for the Depays or Matters. No one was willing to do that. No one was willing to get in behind or ahead of him, make those runs and make those charges. And 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 you, know, you could set, you could just see Rooney's sort of frustration. I mean, at times he is guilty of dropping off too deep, of going out wide too often when he plays as that front line striker and he needs to hold his position more. But it's not too much for him to expect that his teammates will be making the most of that space he created. And that has just not happened for him. And I think it is, I think it served to sort of exacerbate Rooney's problems. I think, yes, he is short of confidence. He's, I think he's looked short of fitness a little bit. But I don't think, I think he's been made to actually look worse by the fact that there isn't the pace, there isn't the movement, there isn't the penetration from teammates around him. And it is, it is a real issue. United... They have these flashes, they have these brief purple patches when they're capable of great moves and they score the odd, the odd great goal. We saw it against Villa. And then, for the most part, it's turgid, it's leaden. I, I just think it's sort of possession without purpose. Alison, we were talking before, and it's a, it's a pet subject of mine. So after United lost... On, on Sky, they were talking about, you know, they've got 36 hours to fix this in the transfer window. Is the problem, and Stroey and, and Ducker will both know, again, be better qualified than me to talk about this, but is the problem 
short of signing a Ronaldo or a Messi or, or Gareth Bale, which I think is relatively unrealistic, that you could chuck in pretty much any player into that United team. And they might improve things a little bit, but I don't think I, d- I don't think the core problem is you need to sign more players. I think the problem is that the system that Van Gaal has them playing, a kind of doesn't suit them, and b and this is the bigger issue, doesn't have the desired effect. Whatever Van Gaal's doing, as James said, that they have these moments where they play quite well. They have certain games where they look all right, but I've, I've not seen them for the last fifteen months since he came and thought. These look like a really good side, United. Yeah, the they prob- have glimpses. The problem is is not kind of... And th- th- what football's become is this whole kind of let's spend money and that will solve the problems. It's retail therapy on this grand scale. But the issue with United is they need to find a definable system. You can ch- They showed it with Di Maria last year. Chuck Di Maria and Angel, Angel Di Maria is a world-class footballer. He didn't make any difference at all to United because the system is wrong. The way they are playing is not right. So would it be fair to say what, what you're saying, Rory, is the duo of Schneidlin and Schweinsteiger, which sounds sounds sexy, sounds interesting. It is sexy. Morden Schneidlin is a very handsome man. He is. He's not working, though, is it? No, because they are both good footballers. I think Schweinsteiger might have kind of turned a little bit. But they're both good footballers. But what they're being asked to do... Do you, do you honestly think Schneidlin's a good footballer? Yeah, I do. I really in, like in, when we're talking about footballers, without the ball, I think he's good, and I can see that. In effect, but with the ball, is he a Manchester United footballer with the ball? Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, it's it's a game of opinions. I, I really like I really like Schneider. James. What do you think? Do you, for me, the jury's out on him. I, I I think he's he can give them a little bit of purpose, which they have needed. But with the ball, he, he doesn't really excite me. I, I think he's very basic with the ball. I, I take Scoey's point. Given some of the central midfielders United have, hmm. have had over the past seven or eight years I think Schneiderlin is a tremendous improvement on them and I think they have needed someone to hold his position who's very good um, when the opponents have the ball and who does the simple things well I think he's a very very good addition and I think that he's a necessity in that side I think that the, the issue leading on really from what James was saying is that do you need Schneiderlin and Carrick or Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger together in that midfield I think it can be at, at, at certain times clearly in certain games you will do but I think if they're both doing the same thing then it does look a little bit more short of imagination but I think I think Schneiderlin I think they have needed a guy who can sit at the base of the midfield and help to break things up and do the simple things well I think the problem is is that the, 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 play, the, the more sort of mobile uh, creative midfielders ahead of him are either playing in a straight jacket as sort of Rory has said or are just not doing it and I, mean, I, I really rate Ander Herrera as a player I think he's got great mobility he, he's prepared to get in behind he can run with it he's a good passer but he just seems to be at one minute he's sort of flavour of the month the next minute he's on the outside looking in and I think he's a player who's really um, who's really not been used particularly well by and Van Halen has almost sort of succeeded despite the manager at times I think he got eight goals last year But going back to Rory's point and Schneiderlin I, th- I think it's particularly interesting that he had a long long time to think about that move to Manchester United they wooed him for quite a long time he decided to stay at Southampton confident that he would still get the move eventually he said publicly it was a move he dreamed about that the lack of a philosophy at United wasn't a problem it was more I think I think Schneidlin felt I'm going to get first team football at a top four club I'm going to win something and I can make a difference 
and he's got there and I think the reality might be just slightly different to what he Well, two expected. out of those three things he'll probably get, I'm not sure he'll win anything to Manchester United at the moment. But United are in, a, are in a really curious position in the market and it's it's really interesting that they are an incredibly rich, incredibly they're, they're famous club. they're not top club. of the transfer tree anymore. No, well, that's what I'm saying. They're incredibly rich and incredibly famous and the top players don't want to play for them, basically. That's, that is the, the, the reality of it. That I know they had this sort of ambitious plan to see if Neymar would come I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that's absolutely true. I'm sure United would. They would almost be negligent if they weren't looking, if, looking to see if they could get a superstar like that. Mm. But I don't think that top tier of player at the moment would 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 consider them. But I want to finish this section of the show back with Swansea. Quick word, everybody, on John Joe Shelby uh, recall to the England squad. Did he show in this game why that's a good idea? James Scowcroft. Very good. I thought he was outstanding yesterday. And um, we talk about Gomez's goal, and you can blame Romario. His first time ball to you, is it? Yeah, um, what a ball. A fantastic vision. Actually, in my last season of professional football, I played against him when he was at Charlton, and I picked him out then. I thought he was a fantastic player. Did and you he, ever play a ball like that? Yes, several times, um, but only in training. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think he's a great, great player, and I think he's, he's very good. He's, he's one of these that. There's a lot of Manchester United, I keep talking about Manchester United, have them that play backwards, sideways. He can play forward and he can break lines. And that, that pass where he gets it and he just first time, he, he knows his next pass mm. and he's technically very, very good. And I think Swansea will, will have um, their hands full keeping hold of him. It was, it was always mental with, with Shelby. It was always, yeah. he always had the talent. He, he has never had the kind of maturity or the common sense to really kick on and be top class speak to people at Swansea they say that he he has there has been a major change in his demeanour in terms of how he handles himself he doesn't do the stupid stuff that he used to do that bows really well but I guess time will tell whether he can maintain it and now to a section of the show called they have only played four games but City will win the title won't they um it's been a crazy start to the season. Let's get this, the Manchester City aspect of it out the way immediately. There's there's a smoothness about the way they're playing. They're, they, they're incredibly laid back and confident. It's as if last season never happened. They're absorbing new signings with ease. Again, James Ducky, you see a lot of them. What? Where is the, the, the banana skin? What's going to stop them just parading their way through the season? I don't think anything necessarily should I was quite shocked at how poor they were last season. I mean, I've, I've long, long, long said that they have, they have the best squad in in the in the league. And although they've obviously had, you know, one of the most successful periods in the, in their history, they should have actually have won a lot more than they have done, and they certainly should have done a lot better in Europe than they have done. It was underachievement on a quite staggering scale last season. And uh, what is curious is that whenever they have to defend the title. It seems to bring out the worst in in so many of their players. I don't know whether too many rest on their laurels and think, right, we've achieved something for a season. We can take the foot off the pedal now. And that happened. That happened after the first title win. It obviously happened last season. And then, lo and behold, there's no title to defend this time. And they're they're playing with much greater freedom, much greater expression. I think what, what one of the interesting things Pellegrini said after Watford was that they are pressing with much greater intensity when they don't have the ball and they are recovering it with much greater determination and much greater speed and that is very very quickly allowing them to turn defence back into attack again. I think the signings in the in the sort of previous two and a half years had been a huge disappointment I think 
it was just a string really of um of disappointing purchases that that didn't didn't sort of improve the team and moreover didn't ease the burden on that nucleus of Sergio Aguero, David Silva, Yaya Torre, Vincent Company, Joe Hart, that has sort of been the mainstay behind City's success in recent years. I think that's changed the season. Sterling uh, has settled in very, very quickly. He's had a terrific start. Uh, I think it's a, a huge amount of money that they pay for Kevin De Bruyne, but I, I, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. I think he'll be a great addition and, and a vast improvement on Jesus Navas or um, Sami Nasri. And um, they've uh, obviously brought in Otamendi, who due to get his work permit today. I just think they've, they've tweaked in key areas. Company looks fit and refocused. Yaya Torre looks like he's up, up for it again. I mean, I think there's a big issue last season is that Sergio Aguero was not fit for long spells. And, and unlike, say, Suarez, when he has been out and he comes back, he does need time to get back up to speed, much sort of like Rooney, really. They just look a lot more balanced. They look, look a, a lot more hungry. They look a lot more focused. And I think... The arrivals have um, sort of increased competition for places in sort of key areas. I think City are playing as they should for a squad of that talent. Last season was just they were just a shadow of themselves, and and it was such a mass sort of underachievement that you know they are back to where they should be. But there's well, uh, there's no greater contrast than to go to Chelsea in the way they've started the season. Rory, you were at Stamford Bridge, mm-hmm. and. I'm glad you did your do- job and you asked Josie Mourinho what's going wrong and you told us in your report that he doesn't know. Well, it, I, I presume he has an idea, but I thought what was re- he was really, really... Jose's often better when he's kind of under the trosh, as long as he's not doing that whole stupid distraction thing. Uh, he's actually better when, you, when Chelsea aren't playing well. As my, that's true of most managers, actually, that when things, things are kind of problematic, they tend to be a little bit more forthcoming. He basically said that he's got two or three or three or four players who are not performing as they should to an acceptable level is what he said. Uh, he suggested that Eden Hazard has to take more of a responsibility to to prove that he's the best player in the league. And then the, the natural follow-up to that was, alright, then well, well, why is this happening? What What's the cause of it? Is it something, as James alluded to before, that as with City, that they've won something, so they're resting on their laurel, on their laurels a little bit. Is it fitness? Is it? It shouldn't be tactical. But how do the same you? I don't, I don't get that. How do you rest on your laurels? Because if you're even a, a half intelligent football manager, that's that's what you know could happen. So you make sure it doesn't. Well, I, I, how you do it, I don't know. I'm not a manager either. But although Je- Stroey, I imagine, would be able to kind of illustrate that better. But I, I guess when when you have won something, when you have proved something in the style that Chelsea did last year, where they basically sleep, slept. Sleepwalked, slept, walked. <laughs> they were asleep while they won the title. Yeah, yeah they, they sort of strolled, <laughs> strolled to, the, to the title. Strolled to the title. I guess it's easy to just n- not lose a lot, not not to not try, but just to lose that tiny, tiny edge that that is what you need at that level. And they have unquestionably this season. They've not played well once. I was at West Brom. I've seen I've seen every game this season at Chelsea. They have not played well once. They won at West Brom, but were very fortunate to win at West Brom. That game could have gone massively differently if if Morrison scores the penalty early on. They have a problem. Mourinho, I presume, has an idea of what's wrong, but the thing that he wouldn't tell us is what he thinks is wrong. And I, the the only guess can be, Kurt Zuma said that maybe trying to find it, they're finding it difficult to adapt to being champions. There's enough experience in this, in that squad that that shouldn't be the case. And Mourinho said it would be sad if they weren't motivated. That would be my guess that they feel as though they are the best team yeah, in the country. But people, yeah, teams have, have always lifted their games for Chelsea over the past sort of fifteen yeah, but Chelsea, years, regardless of whether they're champions always, or not. Chelsea have always lifted their game in response to that, and that's what they're not doing now. 
James, what's of the opening four games, what struck you as being most significant? I think certainly they the, wouldn't say they were at full tilt last year. I don't, I don't think any team, but they were the team that were, were most organised, more desire. I think Jose Mourinho, if you actually look how his teams play, they're, they're actually quite defensive and... The, and I think sometimes if you can nullify their their threat going forward, if you can nullify, if you can take Eden Hazard out, out of the game and maybe cost a, maybe get someone around Fabregas, they haven't got a lot going forward, Chelsea. But but what they have been is very very strong at the back, and all of a sudden now there's just one or two little holes opening in that in that defence really, and I think maybe one or two people have found weaknesses in Chelsea, and I'm not quite sure they know how to turn it round. You know, obviously they're not looks like they're not going to get John Stone, so I think would have been a very good signing for them. Over the last four or five years, it does look very hard to retain the the Premier League now which is a good thing I think it's great for for English English football um, but that second season looks very hard now for any team that's won it we just talked about Man City how they've you know should have won it probably last season with the squad they had but you know tailed off and I think Chelsea are struggling with the same effect really I think it's that second season syndrome as champions really and they but you know. do you, I see I think Mourinho's given them an excuse to behave like this because he's he predicted it would be a difficult start to the season he said he gave them all the players a holiday they weren't going to be a full pelt till mm. September began so we've had these iffy games in August if you if you go public and say I've changed the way I prepare in the summer because I, I thought the players were tired and needed a break and they're not going to be 100% start, standing start. It's going, they're going to take a while to get into it. He's given an excuse for all the players he's hinting at who underperformed, Fabregas, Ivanovic. They've, they've been given an excuse not to go, go for it. It's, it. They're almost being told, you'll go against what your manager's expecting if, if, you, if you start like a runaway train. You've... It's as though yeah, they're easing into the season. You can't, cannot do that in the Premier League. It's also very un-Mourinho. If you look at all of Mourinho's title-winning seasons, all of his successful seasons, they, they start at 100 miles an hour, and that, that's his thing. They, they go strong, they get their foot on the throat of the lead, and they, they take it from a winning position. I think he was concerned by what happened in the last six months of last season when Chelsea had to change from the artistic to the strategic and had to be more sort of dour. I think that was a genuine source of worry for him that they couldn't do that again if the lead was harder I know what you mean about him giving them excuses I'm not sure how much what his public utterances are are the same as his private messages to the players I don't think that's I don't think he's saying to them listen lads it'll be alright because you know it's, it's a long season last season but I think the really interesting thing with Mourinho is that he's always struggled to build or not even struggled he's never had the chance to build on success because he always leaves he's always left after two or three years at every club and what he's got to do now is essentially take the remaining kind of remnants of one side and blend them into a new team because you've got you know Terry Terry is the check's gone but Terry's the last kind of stalwart of one side and he's never he's Mourinho's never done that he's never allowed himself to to build a second team and it'll be really interesting to see whether he can do it have they got the financial muscle that they once had I think they they have the chance to suspend spend money if they want to that their desire to stick to their model is admirable and we should be grateful to, that Chelsea have decided to do that but it is self-inflicted because it's getting harder now money. to buy players for the top teams yeah. isn't it, it yeah. it's because and I think it'll get harder for them next year because of the new TV deal they can't bully teams the way they did and it gets a ceiling where £30 million for a player to another club 
doesn't really mean what it might yeah. have meant two or three seasons ago. Yeah. You know, it would have been a, a change in some of money. But now, you know, from from next season, your bottom six or seven clubs are going to turn over 120, 130 million pounds a season. So unless transfer fees just literally rocket, which I'm sure they will go up, it is getting harder now for your Chelsea's just to pick off players. Manchester United having the same problem like they did five or six years ago. There's a couple of points just just um, to build on. Um, I think I think the the point about um, the transfer market is quite interesting. I think you actually look at that Chelsea side and they they don't have tremendous strength in depth, but the actual first team which played, you know, more or less for the majority of, of last season is very strong and I think to actually improve that first team was never going to be easy. I mean obviously there's been a lot of talk about Pogba you know he would have been. A, I think he w- he would be a a great signing for him. Uh, I think the, the, the but the flip side of that is by not actually being able to get in that sort of top class player who will increase the competition places, who will challenge directly for a first team place. There's a knock and effect that the Fabregas's and and the Hazards and the Costas know that they are assured of a place, and whether it's whether it's conscious or, or not, that can have. You know, an effect on players. You often hear, you know, you often hear managers say that the, the time to strengthen is when you've won a title, to to sort of, you know, to kick on to show those players that yeah, you've done that, but you're going to have to do that again because I'm bringing this player in and he wants your place, so do it for me again. And that hasn't happened at Chelsea. And I think, um, you know, Jay, Jay Scurry made the point about retaining the title in the Premier League. Mourinho is the only manager, apart from Sir Alex Ferguson, to have to have done that in the Premier League. Re- becoming a serial sort of winner in the Premier League is very, very, very hard. There is an intensity and a demand on them to win that title that you just do not get in Germany or Spain. And we need to we need to move on very quickly because the other astonishing result was that 52-year wait for a win for West Ham at Anfield. I just feel um, Slavin Bilic, since he's arrived, has gone on and on and on about throw-ins. And I thought, what are you on? Why, after every result, he's talked about the importance of throw-ins. And then after he wins at Anfield, takes West Ham to Anfield, and they win for the first time in 52 years, he put it all down to the blooming throw-in. One thing that happens in a game more than anything else. Well, I'm not saying he's wrong. He's clearly on to something. Very important part of football throw-ins. Was it all about the throw-in, Rory? Uh, no, about Dejan Lovren, wasn't it? It's, um, I think West Ham could be the first team to get relegated with 18 points, having won at all of the top six. It's been a bizarre start to the season. They're kind of symptomatic of what a weird start to the season it's been, that you've got Arsenal, Liverpool, United and Chelsea are all making it look very hard to score goals. And then you've got these, these other sides, West Ham, who were kind of terrible against Leicester and Bournemouth, then brilliant at the Emirates and excellent at Anfield, although I don't think you have to be excellent to beat Liverpool just at the moment. It's it's been a bit curious. Mourinho, the one thing Mourinho's got right this season is that the middle order has strengthened considerably. That gap has closed, apart from to City, but that's partly, only partly true because of the middle order's increased quality. It's also because the top clubs are not well. They're not what they were. They may they may get better. They may not. Liverpool were, were poor. I think Arsenal have been a bit kind of curious. They've been good in moments, but not still look a bit short. Chelsea we've discussed. It's been a a, a weird start to the season. It could get weirder on transfer deadline day, which we're not quite at as we record this. Particularly painful transfer window, I'd call it. But, um, panel, do we agree with Martinez when he says it's disrespectful to the clubs and to the players to have business being done while games are being played? I mean, Martinez, as 
I think he's quite enjoyed taking the high moral ground, actually. He, he was um, in good form. I was at uh, White Hart Lane on Sunday and uh, he was in full flow. You know, he was saying, I've been saying this for years. You can't do business while we're trying to win football matches. It's immoral. It's wrong. Playing devil's advocate, you could argue if you have a transfer window open while the season's underway, it gives managers and owners a chance to see where they are weak and if there are any horrible end of sort of coaching session injuries during the longer summer you can put things right um, and maybe you don't really know what your team is until you've started playing competitively in the Premier League James Ducker whose side do you fall down on? Uh, I, I completely see where Martinez is coming from but I think it's very easy to take the moral high ground here and play the whole sort of you know we're David up against Goliath um, card I think the, reality, the actual, just look at the reality of the situation. Would, would Martinez favour a situation whereby, you know, the transfer window opens the, the moment the Premier League season finishes and then closes, you know, the day before, you know, the new season starts? I mean, that leaves such a short window, short, short, short opportunity. I mean, it already, the, the, the transfer window is already, already stands accused of, of um, inviting sort of panic buying and rush buying in a rush mentality. You know, if we shave, shave another three or four weeks off it, that surely will only wor- you know, worsen the problem. I, I just don't know. I'm, I've always been sort of in favour of going back to a situation where teams can sign players at any, at any time. I think with transfer windows, lunacy personally, I just think it uh, adds to the whole sort of dramatisation of football and gets people excited and invites sort of you know ridiculous knee-jerk sort of behaviour. I think if football was actually serious about growing up and allowing clubs to be a bit more strategic uh, in their buying process and uh, not do things in a rush, and if they see an issue that uh, raises its head over the season that they want to address, then they have the opportunity to do that. Um, if we could buy all year long, there um, there wouldn't be this problem. But I don't really see how, when the windows are in operation, it's going to be any better if they shave um, three or four weeks off it. Rory, Rory, it's rude, isn't it? It's just downright rude to start bidding for a player while he's playing for another club. So I, I, I see what James means about going back to the system where you, you could buy all the season up to up till March when you then had the cut-off point because you, didn't, you don't want to have situations where uh, teams who are vying for the title then go and buy each other's players to prevent the other team going for the title, which is why there was always that March 31st cut-off. I think there, there's some merit to that. It's, I would go the other way and say that you'd be better off. It's relatively easy. There's, the, the transfer window is a completely artificial device. It is invented by man. It is not sort of sent down by God. Although it's weird how loyal people are to it. I heard Ian Wright on 606, driving back from a game a couple of weeks ago, saying, you know, that if you, if you change the transfer window... I'm not going stop doing the accent. It's terrible. <laughs> um, if you change the transfer window to only a month, then you're contravening European freedom of movement and freedom of employment laws. What on earth do you think restricting it to two months is doing for crying out loud? It's, there is no argument. There is no reason the transfer window has to be July and August. It could just as easily be June and July. Same amount of time. I, th- I, I t- see what James means about it. It bringing sort of increasing the rush mentality, but that's up to the clubs to behave like adults rather than to sort of say that the game's governing body should prevent them behaving like children. I, I don't see why you couldn't shrink it into a month, run it in July across the... It has to kind of match up roughly across Europe. Run it in July when there is no football. And the reason for that is that the transfer window, as it stands, breaks the integrity of the league. 
There is no, there is, as far as I can tell, there is no argument to counter that. If you play, for example, Stoke City before they sign Jordan Shakiri, you are more likely to beat Stoke City than you are if you play them after they sign Jordan Shakiri. There's no, there is no question about that. It's the same, the, the same, but more so the further up you go, that the lead is not the same for everybody. So I would be, I would be inclined to shrink it into a month, say that you have a one-month registration window because everyone's scouting and tapping each other up and talking to each other and lining up deals throughout the year anyway. So you have a one-month registration window. You shrink it down just as they shrink it down into two months. You can do it into one. Maybe it does get a little bit panicked. Maybe the clubs think, this panic's bad. We have to behave like intelligent people rather than morons. But you shrink it down into a month, and then the season starts, and everyone plays the same teams with the same players. Ooh, James Scowcroft. That sounds eminently sensible. Agree. Sounds boring to me. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Do you think transfer deadline, which will be tomorrow is now more exciting than what FA Cup final day was when you were a kid. I think it is, and that's not not to me, but I think it is to most people. I'll tell you exactly why. It's because most clubs are completely dis- completely disenfranchised from winning trophies. Most clubs can't get to the cup final because the, the top echelon of the game dominates so much that supporters of Sunderland and Newcastle and Everton and whoever, they know that the chances of them winning a trophy much less a trophy that means anything to them, basically yeah, zero. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't always agree with that. Wigan won it a few years, Hull became within a whisker of winning it. And Sunderland made the League Cup final, but these are really isolated events. They can't do anything in the lead, they can't get in the Champions League. So but a that's always signing, been the case, has it not? Well, it's not been quite as close shop as it is now, but a bid signing has taken on that trophy mentality. It's like winning something to fans. I don't like it. I'm not saying it's the same for me. I prefer the Cup final. I hate transfer deadline day, but wish it was on July the 31st. Right, a quick hits, which is Gab's favourite part of the show. So we're, we're halving it. We're only having one each. James Ducker, please fill us in on the fate of Victor Valdez. He thought he was off to Turkey, but now looks like he'd be left in no man's land at Old Trafford. What's going on? Yeah, very simple. Looked like he would be moving to the uh, That deal's fallen through. I think speak to Valdez's camp and they say that uh, the Turkish club tried to change the terms of an agreed deal. Uh, I think Besiktas might... Um, say otherwise so he now unless he manages to uh, find another club in the next 24 to 48 hours the reality is he's going to be exiled uh, at Old Trafford until at least January Uh, you'll probably remember that uh, Van Gaal said in the summer that he would be selling Valdez after he refused to play in a reserve team and under 21's match last season so uh, United sort of gambled they gave him an 18 month contract in January after a short time uh, training with them but that's obviously backfired and um, there is obviously the danger now of him being sort of um, stuck at United for the next four months. Rory, we expected more from Southampton in Europe, didn't we? We did. A bit of a shame they went out. I thought I thought they would they'd take that competition seriously as not enough teams do. Uh, Mitchell and played very well, probably deserved it over the two legs. Uh, the coda to all of it is that because West Ham and Southampton have both been so terrible in the Europa League, there is now a very real risk that within the next three years, England might lose its fourth Champions League spot to Italy. James Scowcroft, is Theo Walcott a striker? I think he's going to have to be. I think if he's going to uh, progress in his career and stay where he is, you know, Theo, the main attribute to Theo's game is his pace, and that's threatening defenders in behind, really. I, I'm not quite sure he's got the individual skill to do that out wide. So I think eventually he's going to have to nail down a central position and add goals to his game. Any other business? Mine is, as as I've mentioned, I was at uh, White Hart Lane and felt briefly quite sad because I was watching Moussa Dembélé. And every time I watch Moussa Dembélé, I feel sad because he was when he was at Fulham, he's one of those few players that make 
sort of time standstill and you think, am I really watching someone who's this good on the ball? There were whole matches where he was not dispossessed once. He was an absolute star goes to Spurs and becomes deeply average. And just as Gilfie Sigurdsson, who was beautiful at Swansea, went to Spurs and became average, Gilfie went back to Swansea. Now look at Gilfie, now look at Swansea. So I'm thinking maybe Musa should go back to Fulham, take them back to the Premier League, and then we'll have a fairy tale ending. Um, Rory, what's your any other business? Uh, I watched Roma against Juventus, Dortmund against Hertha Berlin, and Real Madrid this weekend. Uh, the Spanish title race is always kind of interesting. It's a bit more interesting this year because Real and Barca don't quite seem as on it as before. But I think in Germany and Italy, there are reasons to be interested. Uh, I think Dortmund, who apparently are about to sign Adnan Yanezai on loan, which is extraordinary, just a sign of complete mental disintegration at Manchester United. Um, Dortmund looked really good. They scored a brilliant third goal. Juve have now lost their first their first two games. That's not happened since thirteen forty seven, I think. Um, <laughs> Roma and Inter both look good, so I think there are. I think the Premier League might be a bit of a cakewalk for Man City, but there are other title races to watch elsewhere in Europe. James Ducker. Yeah, I, I just um, I'll stick with uh, one of my uh, two main clubs, uh, Manchester City. I was just sad to see uh, Marcus Lopez, young Portuguese attacking midfielder, leave. Last week for Monaco in an £8.8 million deal, he has been sort of trumpeted for the past few years as one of the the rising stars, if not the star of City's much-vaunted academy. And yet, obviously, he's been a victim of the uh, arrivals of uh, Raheem Sterling and Kevin De Bruyne. And City will still argue it's early days as far as their production line of talent is concerned at the academy. But I think it's it's quite a disappointment that he was not given a chance to stake a, for a sort of staying claim for a first-team place. And you've got to hope that the likes of Jason Denea, who has uh, now got, gone out on um, loan, uh, will be given. Um, he's a he's a Belgium defender, very very gifted. Will be given a chance sort of further down the line. Otherwise, you sort of ask, ask the point: what, 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 why, why are they investing so heavily in the academy if they're not going to give these players an opportunity? Okay, James. While you're on that theme, can you answer Patrick Roberts? Why did they buy him? Is he going out on loan? I don't think he's going. He was on the bench on Saturday. They think he's very, 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 very gifted, very, very talented. Like you say, I mean, they've got a lot of players in that position, so you've got to wonder if he's got a chance. I suspect if he doesn't go out on loan this season, he will go out, out on loan at some point. But it's a huge commitment in him. I think it was £4 million down and uh, rising to a, a possible £11 million, pounds, depending on the success of that club. So I don't think he's one that will be... Um, will be ignoring. I think they're, they're going to have to um, think very carefully about his development over the next uh, 24 months. James Scowcroft, your any other business? Any other business? I actually watched an FA Cup tie uh, this weekend. I know it's August. Local team near me, Berry Town from Berry St Edmunds, got through from the preliminary round to the first round qualifying. So I know we talk about the FA Cup being in May and after Christmas it is alive and has started. Thank you for that reminder, James. No <laughs> well, that's it for now. Many thanks to my guests today, Rory Smith, James Ducker and James Scowcroft. Please press that subscribe button if you haven't already. We'll be back next week. And remember, you can get exclusive football, rugby and cricket highlights free as part of your subscription. Just £12 for a 12-week trial. Search The Times online. Goodbye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal.
Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. 